This message was presented at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. All right, so this is a seminar on uh, Sabbath School. It's entitled Life, Death, and Resurrection of Sabbath School. There are four sessions today, and you're welcome to join us for all four. To, for it to make sense, you'll have to be here for all four. But we realize we're in a competitive society and there's some other cool people out there you'd rather be with. So we get that. But if you want to stay, you're welcome to stay. And then the fourth seminar, that's at 2.30, 2 o'clock, um, we, you, we were going to open this for Q&A because we realize there are a lot of questions uh, that people have regarding Sabbath school. Uh, the classic question is, my Sabbath school is horrible. What do I do? And we don't know the answer to that question. Uh, but we're going to give you principles, hopefully, and in our dialogue, and that will give you some ideas regarding that. The large answer to all the questions is that God will bless you. Amen. I know that sounds cliche and super unsatisfying, but that's really the answer. And, but how God will bless you is what we're going to talk about. So today on the panelists, I have my friends here. We have not scripted this. We have not talked about it. We have kind of, we had a debriefing. But this is going to be a really raw, live conversation because we realize this is what Sabbath School is about. It is a raw, live conversation. So this is, we have some, we have a PowerPoint here, but just for minimal spirit of prophecy quotes to help us with some parts of the discussion. But really, we're here to have an open dialogue to see what we can do about the future of Sabbath School. So we will have a prayer, we'll have introductions, but I just want to make sure that this is the flight that you're on. And if you're on the wrong flight, you're welcome to leave this room at this time. Because once we get going, if you leave in the middle of it, you are rude to leave in the middle of it because you think we're boring and we're trying to try not to be. Emery, anything wrong? Oh, you're good. Okay. You were, you were looking like an administrator and you scared me, so I didn't know what was going on. Okay. We'll have a word of prayer and Siku's going to take a picture for the social media world. Okay. All right. <laughs> Can we have prayer now? Okay. Let's pray together, everyone. Gracious Father, we thank you so much for the medium of GYC, this room, and what you have foreordained in our schedule for these brothers and sisters to be with us today. Father, it is not about knowledge or personality or experience. It is about your spirit. And this we earnestly pray for. We pray for our panelists today. And not for a good formal presentation or conversation. But we pray that your will and the principles of scripture come across in the presentations for, for today. We ask that you bless each of our listeners, whether they be through streaming or rec recording or live or whatnot. And Lord, our burden is to see Sabbath school revived, not to revive some institution or some program, but getting back to the basics of what you would have us to do. This can only be done by your grace. And we ask for that power and for the pardon of the past of when we've made mistakes in Sabbath school, we ask for a brighter future for Sabbath school as well. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So my name is Pastor Justin Kim. I work at the General Conference Sabbath School Department. I have the privilege to host a TV show on Hope Channel. And we uh, are been going on for three years now. And we are covering the Sabbath school topics. We'll mention a little bit about that later. I have the privilege to join it, uh, this TV show with my friends. And they are 
who are here with us today. One is Sebastian Braxton, and he's in another seminar, so don't go there. Stay here. Uh, but if you, you can listen to his recordings afterwards. But he's part of the panel as well. And there's another one named Kali Williams Buruchara, who just got married and is currently living in Kenya. So if she's listening to the recording, hello, Kali. Uh, but there's, some, there's an intentionality. I represent all of Asia. Yes, hello, I am the Asian one. And to my left is, even though we all have American backgrounds, except for Jonathan, he's kind of an Austrian-Canadian hybrid. But you're now an American, aren't you? Yeah, but okay, well, 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 but your background. Yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about that. So, use your microphone if you're going to make fun of her. Um, and then, so to my left is Israel Ramos. Israel, uh, introduce yourself so I can hear your voice and they can hear your Mexican accent. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Israel Ramos, originally from California. Uh, <laughs> All right, Kevin, we got California in the house. Uh, both my parents uh, come from Mexico, Mexican-American, and uh, hopefully you heard my Mexican accent. So he represents the, the Latin-Spanish world. We have next to him is our European Caucasian brother. Uh, he is not an American. He is, let me introduce yourself. I'm Jonathan Walter. I'm from Austria, but uh, I've been living in the U.S. now for five years, going on six, and... Um, it's a blessing to be part of Inverse, be part of this, and GYC, and many other things. Uh, as a day job, I'm a pastor uh, slash communications manager for the General Conference Ministerial Association. That's the department that helps pastors, elders, deacons, and deacons around the world. Um, and so that's a blessing to uh, work there as well. Amen. Amen. And to his left, to your right, is the sister who preached for us this morning, Siku Dako. And Siku, introduce yourself if you can, if you don't mind. Hi, I'm Siku Dako. Um, my maiden name is Kululegele Satrayo. I'm from Zimbabwe. Um, and I changed my last name when I got married to help the world. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I work with Justin. We're in the Sabbath School Department for the GC for young adults. So the cool thing is our friendships go very uh, a while back. Uh, some of us help start GYC. Some of us work together. Some of us are stuck with each other kind of dynamic. Uh, we have Sebastian Braxton, whose background is from Jamaica. So he represents inter-America. And then we have Callie, who's just a normal, boring American, you know, Caucasian girl. Okay. So we have these different friends represented, and it's representative of the world church. And I want to ask you guys, on this, this plays a dynamic in Sabbath school, is uh, missiologists break the world up into two groups. They call it the global north and the global south. Now, it has nothing to do with directionality north and south. They just do it, and I don't know why they do it. It used to be called the first world and the third world, and that's no longer considered to be politically um, correct. The global north is what, is what was formerly called the first world. This is North America, Europe, Australia, Australia, and some people put South Africa in there. Some people, I don't know, whatever you want to do. And then global south is everyone else. Yes? Does anyone know who's bigger, global north or global south? south. By how much? You take all the global north. And I said that really fast. Some of you are totally lost already. Global North is, is which areas? North America. North America. Europe. Mm -hmm. Europe. Europe. Australia. 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 It's about 8% of the Adventist church. 8%. And that's the numbers on the books. So the reality is maybe about 4% of the, of, of the 8, not of the 8, but 4, 4% is, is, is who we are the visible first world church, the Global North. The remaining 92% are 
is from where Siku and Israel and, and, and Sebastian represent. Just to give you a visual, visual identity of the church. And their interpretation of Sabbath school is widely different. In the first world, or I should say the global north, some of you are familiar with, is we go to church at 9.30 and is the church full? Rarely. In the global south, you go to church at 8.30, you're lucky to find a seat in church. If you're not there, you're outside the church worshiping for divine service. So we have this problem in front of us. And so this, uh, today, we've spent four, four uh, sessions talking about the life, death, and resurrection. The first session is on the life. What is the point? And now for some of you, you think Sabbath school is we're just going to sit and talk about the quarterly for a while. We're going to talk about all those dynamics. Second session, why is Sabbath school so bad? Why is it dying, especially in the global north? And then third is how do we rev up Sabbath school in our day and age? So I want to ask you uh, just a, a jump ball question uh, here to the three of you, and you can pick up your mics that, that uh, you'll be ready to talk. Um, is describe your, your current Sabbath school experience in North America. Uh, what is it like? What are your issues? And so that just that, that, that there's some identification on is it awesome? Is it bad? Uh, maybe nothing too personal because <laughs> your churches will be hearing this and be like, these, they're talking about my church. Ezra, you're breathing. Yeah. Um, my church is great because you're going to be <laughs> listening to this. Uh, I think. Um, I belong to a church that is based on a university campus, Michigan State University. We're right across the street from that. And, uh, and so we have a great uh, context where young people are able to intersect with uh, people who are older. We have college students. They're able to intersect with people who are not in college anymore. And that, to me, has been uh, a great experience because uh, the Sabbath hour has become the most segregated hour in for Seventh-day Adventists, right? They, we come to church, and then at, immediately, as soon as we come into church, if we go to a very effective church... You mean our, by age, by race, by, by everything? By everything. Yeah. Okay. As soon as we enter into the local church, if we have a very effective church, then our kids are going to be immediately stripped away as soon as we enter. And then they're going to be sent downstairs to be taught by other people, and then we're going to go to our uh, Sabbath school, and then we have a variety of Sabbath schools to choose from. If I'm a young adult, I can go to the young adult one. If I think I'm a young adult, but I'm not, I can still go there. And everyone's going to look at me funny, but I'm going to just ignore that and, and keep on uh, attending. If I'm an old schooler, if I've been at that church forever and I founded that church, then I'm going to go to the founders group. And, and this becomes the most segregated hour uh, and time for Seventh-day Adventists, right? If we go to a multi-ethnic church, then we're going to go... Uh, and we're going to sit on the side where all the people that look like us sit, and we're going to be taught by a person that looks like us, if that's available to us. And so what I appreciate about our church is that uh, it makes an intentional effort to bring together uh, everyone. And whether you're old or young, whether you're a student, young adult, or an old person, uh, it, it provides the opportunity for, for everyone to come together and to study the Word of God. So that, from that perspective, I really appreciate it. Let me ask the house, how many of you resonate with what Israel is saying? Yeah, just nod your heads. It's pretty segregated. Let me ask you by raising of your hands, how many of you are involved in Sabbath school, meaning you are a teacher or a superintendent of a kids or adult class in some capacity? Raise your hands high and that you're proud of being Sabbath school staff. Okay, hands down. How many of you go to Sabbath school regularly? Please raise your hands. 
Okay, hands down. How many of you go to Sabbath school and you get there maybe between sometime around 10 or 11? You think you're part of Sabbath school, but you're just you're here to make sure that you want to be there at 9:30. Raise your hands. Okay, this. Okay, some of you are honest. God bless you. Some of you are lying. Okay, very good. How many of you do not go to Sabbath school on a consistent basis? Raise your hands. Okay. How many of you are wondering what is the point of Sabbath school and you're in the wrong seminar? Raise your hands. Okay, very good. Okay, so majority of you are kind of Sabbath school people, and we have some that, that are not. I would say, Siku? I was, was going to share about my, my oh, yeah, Sabbath okay. school experience. Well, before you do, I'm, yeah. I would say just that, uh, and, and Jonathan and Siku, we live in the Maryland area, that a lot of young adults, now Israel's case is a little bit different because he goes to university church, and the young adults there are the norm, and they go to Sabbath school, and they're all no- normal, and they're, they're interactive. We are in an area where a lot of, Sabbath, a lot of uh, young adults are floating around. Now, how many of you have that experience? Now, if you're in a rural area and there's only one Adventist church, there's no place to float, so you're stuck there. But if you're in an urban area and there's 80 churches, you just go from one to another looking for your spouse, right, for your future spouse. So, um, and you never find them and because you never find they're them. also floating, you know. Yeah, you're floating together <laughs> yeah. like amoeba and seaweed in this floating ocean of Sabbath school all around. It's a sad existence. And some of you are here to find your spouse as well. And we, we pray for you. So, Siku, explain your experience because you're in a church plant area. And then, Jonathan, you are, are you, you're in transition. You're floating. You're, you're, you're floating. one of the people that we're talking about. So, yeah, yeah. So, Siku. Um, so my experience, I go to a church plant and typically I say I go to a really, really tiny church, but I was talking to someone who was saying that in her area, the church is like 10 people. It's not that tiny. It's like 30 people, um, our church plant. And everybody who goes to church is pretty much involved in everything. Can I ask Um, you, how many of you go to a church of 30 members or less? Please raise your hands. Okay. Hands proud, proud. Okay. 30 to about a hundred. Raise your hands. Okay, 100 to 1,000, please raise your hands. And then 1,000 to 1 million, please raise your hands. Okay. Whoa, where do you guys go to church? Oh, no, you're just raising. Oh, it could be fine. Okay. All right. Siku? Yeah, so, um, so since I have little kids, I was automatically the kid's Sabbath school teacher. Um, and I just wanted to share, though, at, at our church... Before we even got, before we started attending there, they killed the, you know, there's like the 9.30 to 10 o'clock segment where everybody's all together. Like they killed it all together because nobody was coming out. So they moved the service. Church starts at 10 and everybody's supposed to get there for Sabbath school. And you know what happens? Yeah, nobody's there at 10 o'clock. And then it's kind of, we just recently had a conversation about do we move Sabbath school to 10.30 so that people can make it in time for Sabbath school. And, I mean, the gist of it was we move it to 10.30, then nobody's coming, and then we move it to 11, and then we skip Sabbath school altogether, etc. So that's, that's kind of the situation that um, coming yeah, from. Yeah, well, we see this dynamic. This we call it the evolution of Sabbath school, and eventually gets moved to the afternoon, then the Saturday night, and the Friday night, and then becomes Tuesday. Once Sabbath school is on Tuesday, it's no longer Sabbath school. Does that make sense? Then it becomes Tuesday night school Bible study, and it just defeats the purpose. So, Jonathan, yeah. what's your experience with Tuesday so, night? So, I, I just recently uh, transitioned from pastoring a multi-church district into going into more admin- administrative work at a general conference. And so, when I was pastoring, I rarely had the chance actually to participate in Sabbath school because uh, the way I had it set up was that I was preaching in one church, and then uh, the other church at the same time had uh, Sabbath school going on, and then I would go to the other church and preach there, and then it would flip around. And so, I never really had a chance to 
Occasionally, I did have a chance to, to attend Sabbath school. And in those times, uh, it was very different depending on the church. We had, it was both of those churches that were rural churches, uh, majority of people 60 and plus. Um, one of them had basically no young adults at all. And um, it was a very slow-moving Sabbath school experience, maybe typical, I'm not sure um, how it is across the country, but uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was often an experience where the teacher would be, you know, kind of reading the lesson to you, and, uh, and so it was not always very refreshing or, you know, I wouldn't always be super blessed in, in that sense, but it was always a blessing to participate nevertheless and to bring in, you know, our perspectives and so on. But uh, so, and now recently, uh, now I, I, I have the chance to go to Sabbath school, and that has been so refreshing, just the fact that I can go and study every week uh, with the brothers and sisters. Um, so that's the current situation. Of- a great sin of Sabbath school is to be reading your quarterly through uh, in, in class. If you're reading it, you are rewarding those who did not study during the week, yes. and you're punishing the people that did study it. Yes? And I've been to so many Sabbath schools where they're reading like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I'm putting the pen in my arm because it feels better than the experience of being in Sabbath school. It's a painful experience. So I, I really, we're going to talk about that in the second uh, session about what not to do. And interestingly enough, Sister White actually talks about that. Very, very interesting on what not to do for Sabbath school. I go to a about a 150-member church. It's a very traditional church. And we go into Sabbath school. We go into like, uh, we say hey to the greeters and we go into our, our boxes that we, we go to. And we have the traditional program, and then we have our lesson, and one class is like the, the missions-oriented class, and that's the one that I'm part of. There's another one that is we have our some members from the BRI, that's the Biblical Research Institute. So you have these high top scholars, and they're all like, you know, breaking down the Bible in class, and that's another class. And then we have the normal people class, and they're just hanging out, and they're, they're, they're hanging out like normal people do. And it's just, we, no one knows why we have Sabbath school, and that's what we're going to talk about in this session. To my panelists, I want to ask you, what is the point of Sabbath school? Why do we even, why don't we just have worship and go home? Which is becoming the prevalent uh, millennial opinion. Let's just go to worship and go home. Why this whole school thing to begin with? Well, the first part is in the name, Sabbath school. So it's supposed to be an, an opportunity to learn together. Like that is where the church gets together to learn from scripture. Yes. I think typically we think, you know, we get into the Bible during the sermon, but in t- the intention is that we get into the Bible during Sabbath school. That's where you learn learn how to study the Bible together. Yes. Like you're, you're learning how to reach out to the world. This is an opportunity for the church to be schooled in Sabbath school. Yes. John. In a way, I think Sabbath school has many, many purposes and reasons. But one of, one of them, you know, connecting with the Bible study thing is that as a worldwide church, you know, we're over 21 million members now, praise God. And, uh, but we want to stay on track. We want to stay connected. And that's the cool thing about Sabbath school. We're doing this, you know, all around the world at the same time with the same topic. And so you can walk into any church around the world and, and they will be studying, you know, Daniel now this quarterly. And so that's a blessing. Pick up on that. How many of you knew that that all around the world that that people are studying the same topic? For virtually all other Protestant denominations have forsaken a worldwide document of Mm -hmm. which the World Church studies. But here, whether you go to Madagascar, you go to you know Namibia or some other country that I can't think of right now, they're all studying the same thing. So Mm -hmm. it takes about two to three years to get uh, five years to get this involved, and it's an awesome world community uniting Mm -hmm. factor. And yeah, so it unites as a church, but also. 
Council, it keeps us theologically united. So we, we have this document that we are studying and, and the topic, and it, you know, it's supposed to help us stay on the same track theologically with our fundamental beliefs, et cetera, et cetera. So it, is a, it has a uniting factor as we study together the Bible. Yeah. When, we, when we talk about um, what brings us together and so forth, the church, even though the church is made up of millions of people, we're a big global organization, the foundation of the church is the local person, each church member. The church is not a building. The church is not the general conference. The church ultimately is composed of individuals, one person at a time. And one of the key reasons why we have Sabbath school is because in studying the Word of God and learning how to study the Word of God, the heart becomes transformed. And so the church has an enormous mission to accomplish. The church has been given the three angels' message. The, the, the church has been given a work to do. The church has been given so many things, yet none of this can really effectively be accomplished the way that God wants it to be accomplished if the heart is not changed. And so I think that one of the key reasons why we have Sabbath school is so that through uh, the learning of how to study the Bible uh, and through the, the, uh, the study of Scripture, the individual heart becomes transformed. And then as my heart becomes transformed in Madagascar, another person's heart is also being transformed wherever else, and together the church achieves unity in this way. Unity is achieved not by something that is being forced or dictated, but unity will always be achieved by the transformation of the heart to God. And I think that's one of the key reasons for Sabbath school, the, the transformation of the heart. I'm going to bring to some, some quotes that you see here in front of you, and we're going to come back to uh, my friend's comments here. So she says here, this is Spirit of Prophecy, this is CSSW. I would recommend that you all get a copy of this. This is Councils on Sabbath School Work. It sounds like a boring book, and if you're not involved in Sabbath School, it is kind of boring. But if you're involved in Sabbath School, man, she brings out insights that are like, man, why aren't we doing this in our Sabbath School? Why hasn't anyone read this? So she says this, and you probably have been familiar with this. The object of Sabbath School work should be the what of what? In gathering of souls. Mm -hmm. Sabbath school is an evangelistic activity. It is a, a, a venue to bring non-Adventists into. And it used to be back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s, in ancient times, in, in primitive times, that people used to come to Sabbath school. I mean, non-Adventists used to come into Sabbath school, and they would sneak out before divine service because they thought divine service was like, oh, that's the Adventist thing. I want to go to the non-Adventist open Bible study format, and that was Sabbath school. Something happened in the 80s and 90s of which missiologists still, still do not know. My personal opinion, I think it's the rise of the mega churches that, that came about, where it's about we need to have this big divine service. It's all about divine service. Yeah? And so what happens? Because no one's at a Sabbath school, everyone's at a divine service, all the announcements are there, all the mission stories are there, Sabbath school gets, uh, gets de-emphasized, divine service gets blown up, that Sabbath school gets, gets, gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and it becomes an internal Adventist dialogue. Can I... Um can I interject? I think because of because of the shift that has happened um, to kind of divine worship for, and not you know the Sabbath school experience, churches are feeling the lack thereof. Yes. Right. So 
in you go to a mega church and there's a huge emphasis on small groups. Anybody like in a big big church? Yes. Like there's a huge emphasis on small groups, like life groups, small groups, blah, 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 like finding ways like how do we connect being a big church, how do we connect at a at a more individual level? And so you start having small groups and it's but in our build up, I guess, in the way that our church is structured, you have small groups. That's what Sabbath school is. And it was intended that you have a way to connect at an individual level in a smaller group, not just the divine service. So because we have the emphasis has now gone to like the divine service hour, um, people feel the lack and we're trying to Re- reinvent the wheel, actually, when we already have something in our structure that is built I mean, for that. The irony there is a shift where we're trying to kill Sabbath school and we want to now adopt the small group uh, the strategies of, from, from other denominations when we've had this for, for, for a long time. Right, yeah. right. Uh, so I think it's very powerful that, you know, we, we talked about Bible study here and, and bringing people in. When we really study the Word of God, it will have an effect on people us and non-believers or non-adventists or whatever. So um, if your Sabbath school is not transforming your spiritual experience, then it's, it might be wise to see, you know, are we studying the Bible uh, or are we just talking about opinions? So Sabbath school should be a place where we do focus on Bible study because Bible study will transform any life. Any life. And what I love about the fact that we're studying as a group, because, you know, we always, here at GYC especially, we emphasize, you know, have your devotional life, spend time in the Word of God, and that's true. But for thousands of years, Bible study was not a, a just a personal experience. It was always a communal experience as a group, because they didn't have their, you know, their smartphones and their, their, their personal Bibles. They would come together to hear the Word of God. And I think there is power in, in, in the fact that we come together as a group to study the Bible because the Holy Spirit can speak through multiple people and can, can, can lead us into a deeper understanding of the Word of God. So if you think, oh, I got my personal devotions going on, I don't need to go to Sabbath school, rethink that because in Sabbath school is where you have the chance to uh, get your, you know, your, your thoughts bounced off by others. And, and God wants to work through community. He wants to work through people. And you know, he's, he's built us to... He's, He's designed us to have relationships. And if we kind of cut that out and just do my own devotions maybe and then go to divine service where I sit in a row and I don't really interact with anyone, uh, you are missing out on a great opportunity. This is a great, I'm getting to piggyback, welcome to Israel. This is a great uh, opportunity and challenge for the next generation, especially with our addiction to cell phones and smartphones. We, 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 we're, 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 we're thirsting and striving for human interactions, yet we're so scared of them. That's the great irony. Like, I want to hang out. I want to have an, an authentic relation with someone. Oh, no, it's a human being. <laughs> what do I do? He's asking me a question. Like, what do I say? I, I can't pause him. Like, it's, it's not turning off. And so we, we kind of want that Sabbath school experience, yet we want to watch from it afar. This is the great conundrum of the next. Some of you are older. Like, this is a weird, it is a weird generation. And those of you who are in this generation, we are a weird generation. You have, we admit it. Yes? Amen? Okay. All right. Right. Yes. right, right, right. Israel. Speak for yourself. Yeah, um, yeah. I think. Well, I was kind of processing what you were saying, Jonathan. I, I think the challenge that we have in today's society in our churches is that we don't actually have a devotional life. Um, I think that that's actually one of the biggest reasons that why why uh, we have challenges in our Sabbath school. If an individual and just think about think about this yourself, the last time you studied the Word of God and you gained something from it. That, you, that really impacted you. The first instinct that we, that we go through is 
We want to share it. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, this is actually happening right now as we're talking. Like Jonathan said something, oh, I just had an aha moment. Man, I, the devotional life of our, of our people is what's lacking. And my first impulse was not to keep it to myself, but to share with everybody else. I want to share this great and profound idea that I just discovered in your presence, right? This is like genius at work. I just have this, I'm compelled to say it. This is just what naturally happens. When we discover something in the Word of God, the natural instinct is to share that. And so the challenge that we have, and we're probably getting ahead of ourselves because we're going to talk about that in the next thing, but the, I think the challenge that we're facing in our Sabbath school uh, life in, as a Seventh-day Adventist church is that everything has become so routine. Even when we do study the Bible, we study it because we need to check it off our list because someone might ask us, did you have your devotional time this morning? And I can't say, no, I didn't. They're, they're going to be like, dude, you're, how in the world are you a pastor not having your devotional time with God? And so I'll check it off. If we really were engaged with God and, having, and spending time in his word, we would have so much to say that we would need an outlet to share it, and Sabbath school would be an, a perfect time to do that. And so uh, the word of God being the center and affecting us as individuals is one of the things, because I know you're asking what's the purpose of Sabbath school, so i got to answer that. One of them is to change the heart or Bible study, and Bible study naturally leads to mission, which is the other thing that you were mentioned here, that the object of Sabbath school work is the ingathering of souls or the bringing of, of people together. And so the, I think the first one is Bible study, the second one is mission, and Personal life will always affect public life. Mm -hmm. We're going to the, the, the three goals of Sabbath School. I want to go to the second quote here. Sabbath School is one of the greatest instrumentalities to bring souls to Christ. And I would say, uh, if I can, I don't know if this is, if I can wait to say this, we have not yet tapped the full potential of Sabbath School yet. Yeah. We have still yet to see Sabbath School's golden, golden age come to us. Uh, this Sabbath school is not meant to be an internal evidence dialogue. It is meant to be an evangelistic, open, uh, safe place for, for everyone to come. Now, uh, this is what Israel was mentioning. This is from the Sabbath school general conference department, general conference Sabbath school department. There used to be four goals of Sabbath school, and we went around the world, and four was too much. People could not memorize four. So we brought it down to three. But one of the three is actually two, two. so it's actually <laughs> four. So, yeah, I don't know. So what, what Israel is mentioning here is that you see here on top, you have the three things. One is missions, second is Bible study and prayer, and lastly is fellowship. And this is what we've been all kind of talking about, and this just formalizes it into an actual graphic. Um, the way I see I think of it as concentric circles. You look at the largest picture possible, and that's the world. And it's about missions, yeah? Change the world through missions. Then you bring it down into one smaller circle, and it's about your church. And you impact your church through fellowship. And then you bring it back down to yourself. And it's between you and the Lord between, uh, through Bible study okay, prayer. and prayer. Yeah? These are the three levels of which Sabbath school is supposed to, to impact. Let me ask you this. What happens when, we, when you take these three things out? When Sabbath school, if the Sabbath school is a platform for these three things, and when you take this out and you only have divine worship, what's so bad about that? Why can't, why do we have to, why do, why do we have these, why do we have to have these three ingredients for church? Um, <clears throat> I think uh, the first thing that popped in my mind was uh, I was thinking about the sanctuary and how you look in the holy place of the sanctuary. You have, you know, the, the table of showbread, which represents the word of God. You have the, the altar of incense. 
which represents the prayers. You have the, the candlestick, which represents, um, uh, you know, sharing and the Holy Spirit. I mean, these elements here are, are in the sanctuary. And I think Jesus gave us the sanctuary for a reason, for many reasons. But for one thing is that it gives us the blueprint to a, a, a reviving spiritual life. If you take this out of your experience, do you even have a spiritual experience? I mean, without mm. prayer and Bible study, mm. you know, what is your Christianity like? Is it a form? Uh, without mission, why are you a Christian? You know? So, um, and without fellowship, uh, are you even human? Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, I think this is, that's why it's called South School Alive, because this is what gives your spiritual walk life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the 11 o'clock hour or the, the worship service is, is critical. It's important to the spiritual life of an individual. Um, when we go to church and we listen to a sermon, worship, by the way, should be, should be focused on the, the opening of the Word of God, not the, not the preliminaries. You know, the music and the prayer and all that, it prepares us to receive the Word of God that's being preached and delivered. Uh, by God's grace, that's... That's an important, you know, uh, uh, Paul calls it the foolishness of preaching. It's, it's a foolish thought that we go to church and we listen to someone uh, read from a book and somehow my heart is stirred and I want to become a better person. I want to become more like Jesus, right? But it, it happens. It happened this morning with Siku's message and last night with Dean's message. So the, the, the 11 o'clock service is important and it's critical, but... When we go to church and we're listening to a sermon, we are essentially what we're doing is we are listening to an experience that one individual has had with a text throughout that week. Uh, Ray Holmes, a professor at Andrews University in preaching, he says, it takes a day for the preacher to work the text. It takes a week for the text to work the preacher. And so what's happening is uh, as the pastor is getting ready to deliver the message on Sabbath morning, that person is wrestling with a text, and then they are, if they're doing it right, they are sharing their experience with that text with the group of people, and everyone is resonating with that. And, and I'm saying, even though I'm so different from you who is preaching the sermon, somehow God is speaking directly to me. That's critical and that's important. But I am receiving something that someone else has already processed. And that's important. We need to, we need to receive processed food, processed meat. Now, uh, when it comes to scripture, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, all right, when it comes to scripture, at home eat fruits and vegetables, yeah. and you'll be like Daniel. All right, yes, so, um, but, but, but what happens in the Sabbath school, during the Sabbath school time, is that we are experiencing the word of God real time, and I have the opportunity to say something, someone's going to say something else, someone's going to say something else, and then God is going to miraculously take this big old stew and make a, make a meal out of that. And what, there's something that happens in that I'm not just being fed, but I'm also experiencing real time the miraculous work of God in his ability to take control of my life at the same time as, as he's doing everyone else's life. And so there's something exciting about seeing the miraculous working of God real time. And that's what Sabbath school provides. It provides fellowship, it provides mission, and it provides personal change all at the very same time. And that's, that's miraculous. Mm -hmm. and, and it's faith building. And, and just going off of what you're saying, that, that what that experience feels like um, is something that I, I think we all crave is authenticity, you know, an authentic Christian experience. And I think 
hearing a sermon, you know, it's good and it's like, amen, and it's awesome. But, you know, when you're in Sabbath school and you can, and you can duke it out with Christian grace, right, and you can, you know, wrestle with the text together as brothers and sisters in Christ, it, it, it creates like a certain closeness that you don't get in, a, in any other kind of way. And I'm, I'm saying that, um, I'm thinking about the experiences that I've had inviting people to like a Bible study, an awesome Bible study, where we study the Bible, and they are not Christian, they're not Adventist, and they're sitting there just being like, whoa, like you guys like love each other, you know, because you, 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 the way that you interact and the fellowship, and I think what makes it, um, what elevates the fellowship is it's not just hanging out, but you're fellowshipping with each other and you're fellowshipping with the Spirit. So it's just this, this horizontal and vertical experience that is going on that is supernatural. And when anybody comes into that, they can see that this is special. This is something that you, you can't just fabricate on your own. And I think that's, that is potentially what Sabbath school ought to be or could be. So um, I don't know if, if anyone can resonate with, with my experience or my perspective on, on Sabbath school or anything that has to do with organized church services. As soon as I walk into an organized thing and I look at GYC, very organized and all these things, um, there is a temptation to kind of detach because it's a program. It's like, oh, this is not real because it's a program and they're following a minute-by-minute minute, you know, paper. And, and in Sabbath school, you go in there and you know, we follow a certain procedure. And procedures are great. But as soon as you do follow a procedure and, and certain uh, uh, steps, it feels like you're just, okay, you're going through the motions kind of thing and you detach. That's how it has been for me often. And so I feel like, okay, we're just here because we have to be and we have to do this because this is how we do this. Um, but I've learned that if, I, if I'm able to just step away from from thinking that way and really engaging in, in, the, in the procedure, being willing to, okay, we're going to pray now? Okay, we're going to pray now. We're not just praying because we have to pray, but because we want to pray. Oh, we're going to study, we're going to study this, uh, this segment now? Okay, let's do this. Just being intentional and not uh, go, falling into the, I'm going through the motion, but really being in the, in the experience uh, willingly. You understand what I'm saying? Like just being saying, okay, I, I want to take part of this even though it's a program. I don't know if that makes sense. Maybe it's just me. But that's for me, uh, I've, I've always struggled with if it's a program, I don't feel a personal drawn connection that I, I have to engage in this. But when I choose, because I love Jesus, choose to engage in it, that's actually a huge blessing in the experience even though it is a program. Oh, you guys talk about these three, three values. I want to ask you, how many of you, how many of you, is this your first time seeing this at all? these three, three things articulated about Sabbath school. How many of you, hands down, thank you, how many of you have all three values in your church and you have the perfect Sabbath school? Okay, man, because I would love to talk to you. Uh, oh, yeah? Naomi? Naomi? All three values, okay. In New Mexico? Oh, Arizona, Arizona. Yeah, it's the same part of the same part of the world, yeah, okay. Uh, so the, the, the three, uh, when you have all three, it's not that, okay, some of you are singing like, all right, Bible study and prayer, all right, we, we open the Bible, we pray. Uh, fellowship, yeah, we say hi in the morning. And then third, oh, yeah, we collect the, the offering. Yeah, we got all those three. That's not what we're talking about, yeah? Does that make sense? So when it's about fellowship, that means that Sabbath school or your Sabbath school class is in charge of fabric for fellowship for the entire church. 
not just getting along during 9.30 to 10.30 or 10.45 or 11, whatever it is, but your Sabbath school is in charge of like, hey, everyone over Siku's house this week, Siku's in charge, her Sabbath school is going to do potluck. Or they'll create the building blocks for, 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 for fellowship for your entire church. For missions, your Sabbath school takes it to a new level. So how many of you have, I mean, our church, we have that, that yellow envelope that's been there since 1973, and it goes around, and, the, and then the lip is like falling apart, and you know, it's barely there, right? That's not missions, right? What is missions? How does your local Sabbath school group get involved in missions? So I want to ask you this. In the, in, and in the uniquely Seventh-day Adventist context, uh, how does the local impact the global? Can I, Which I think is a magic component of Magic in a Christian sanctified sense, not in a black magic sense. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Siku. Um, I'm going to start with the local impact in the local in terms of missions. Yes. Um, what, what it ought to look like is, you know, as a Sabbath school teacher, if anyone's missing from my Sabbath school, we check who's not yes. there. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, hey, we missed you at church this Sabbath. That means no, what, no, no, um, what they say in the military, no soldier left behind. Something like that. I'm sorry, I've heard about it. Like, sorry, okay. yeah. not no, Sebastian's Sebastian's education, Sebastian? no child okay. left behind. Yeah, no child yeah. left behind. No, not, not that, education. not that one, not the education one. Okay, but you guys we get what I mean. We want to see you in church, Siku. <laughs> yeah, That's what you're like, to say. yeah, yeah, but but you're you're part of why I ended up going to this church plant, this teeny tiny church, was because we visited, and I guess because it's so small, they notice when you're there and when you're not there. <laughs> uh-huh. And the next Sabbath, we were doing the bouncing around thing, and the next Sabbath, we weren't there, and someone had gotten our phone number and called Sabbath afternoon and was like, hey, Archie Siku, we missed you at church. And we were like, what? Somebody called us from the church and it wasn't the pastor or the elder? Like, it was like mind-blowing for us. Like, this is, maybe we should go to this church, you know? But, but somebody, like, somebody missed you when you weren't at church. You know, so Sabbath school is, is a platform for you to be able to do that. Yes. And, and that means you are... In reaching, I guess, reaching to each other, which is missional too, you yes, know, like we have totally. so many black slid and Adventists because nobody cared about them in church. But yeah. if we start caring about each other and looking out for each other. And you're hitting a huge point. So I want to yeah. get to that. Who is responsible for the backslidden Adventists in your local church? It's the pastor's job. The pastor should be visiting them all. What's he doing this whole time? He's just six days of doing nothing and one day of work. He's got the whole commandment <laughs> thing. It's the Sabbath school group that's in charge of the backslidden Adventists. Uh, may I, may I just... Do you all know that? No. That's why we keep attendance. So I was supposed to keep attendance. It's not like, well, I mean, and, 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 and attendance can be done in a very bad way. Yeah. Yes, you understand? You're like, who's here? Oh, he's not here again. And then you, you take him off the. <laughs> that, oh, hey, right. Siku's not here this week. Maybe, like, maybe she's uh, dropping and say hi, do a little email, or something in the right context of which the church administrators of the general conference have no idea, but you as a friend, you know the exact context. You know, if Steve Conway doesn't show up, I know that I can visit his house. I'm like, hey, why aren't you here? Or maybe I do know Steve, and he hates people coming to his front doorstep, so I'm going to send him this non-aggressive, you know, aggressive, you know passive-aggressive uh, text <laughs> message, like, hey, Steve, where are you? Question mark, whatever. So that's up to the local Sabbath school group to do. Yeah, I think that's an awesome point they bring up. Just uh, a very practical. Uh, the, one of the churches I was pastoring, uh, we noticed that, you know, half, this is very typical across North America, that half of the membership on your list is not coming to church or very rarely. So we call them missing members. And what we did um, is we, we, we divided up the names of, of the missing members 
uh, for each Sabbath school group received, you know, a bunch of names, and they, so to say, adopted these names. And what they started doing, at least some of them, uh, they started writing cards. You know, they would write cards to the missing members. Each week, you know, there would be one, and they would pray for those missing members. And so there was an awareness, because some, sometimes they were not even aware that these people are missing. Totally forgotten. You know, yeah. and, or you're a new member, you didn't know that there are, you right. know, 50 people not here. And so that's a very practical thing. You can start, right, you can adopt some missing members. Ask your pastor who is missing and who can we reach out to. You can pray for them. You can uh, start writing cards. You can visit occasionally. You can start trying to build connection if you don't know them already. I would take it one step further, and not just members, but mm-hmm. even guests. Who yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the next thing that you can do is, as a South School, you can say, hey, we want to adopt a neighborhood. And you can start, you know, with the neighbors around your church and say, hey, this street, this is, uh, you know, the, the street of Sabbath school so-and-so. And you start prayer walking that street. You start interacting with people there. And you can st- slowly work yourself from local uh, to, you know, regional and then even go beyond. And you, you ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in the process, you know. A mission doesn't mean, doesn't necessarily have to be just foreign. Uh, there can be many other things. I mean, another thing that our church did was they said, hey, we want to, this was right after the hurricane in Puerto Rico. He said, we want to partner with a sister church that we're going to pick in Puerto Rico and help them with rebuilding and, and, and working there. And so our church, this was not with any other organization, just the local church elder flew out there, found the pastor, and figured something out. And now they've been doing mission trips, you know, every year going there. One church helping another church, and also with an outreach element there. You all catch that? I mean, this is one of the most magical, I'm going to stop using that word, the most amazing <laughs> components about the Seventh-day Adventist church is that we have a very highly organized church. And some of you are like, oh, I don't know. But the cool thing is that as a local church, you can contact any other branch, any other field in the world because they're part of the Seventh-day Adventist church and work with them. To be involved in international missions does not mean you've got to send your dollar to ADRA. Mm-hmm. Although you want to send your money to ADRA, that's a great thing. But it's, not, it's just not monetary uh, uh, participation. But your local Sabbath school should get involved in some tangible way. There are 13 divisions here, and this is a little bit outdated. There's also the China, China mission. This is a way to contact. You can go online in our day and age with the Internet. There's, you can contact any other place in the world, find out what their needs are, and have your local Sabbath school group impact that local area. This is what we do. In our local church, our Sabbath school gets groups together, and we, we pass around that yellow envelope from 1973. But we also say, hey, we give to the church, but what can we do? What can we personally do? Mm-hmm. And so we ask, and you know, you know someone, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and you get together, and we've impacted the Philippines, we've impacted Puerto Rico, impacted all these different places just from your local Sabbath school group. This is how Sabbath school got started. Mm-hmm. You all know the SS Pitcairn mm-hmm. ship, ship, an Adventist church, yeah, one of the first missionary ships. They are in a small island, Pitcairn, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Some people want to get baptized. They contact the general conference like, hey, send us a pastor. We, we, need, we need to baptize these people. Well, the church had no money. Well, at the time, the children's Sabbath school groups got together, and they said, let's get the money together ourselves. And they pulled together. They networked. It was a grassroots movement like GYC back then. And with that money, they bought a ship, they sponsored someone, and they sent someone to the uh, uh, South Pacific. That's the power of Sabbath school. That's the power of missions. Yeah? Let me read you this quote. I know it's a long quote, but this is a very powerful one. Okay? To show a liberal, self-denying spirit for the success of foreign missions is a sure way to advance what, what, what? Okay, do you get that? Let me, let me, let me make, it, make, it, make it dumb. 
If you help other people, your home gets helped. Okay, now keep reading. For the prosperity of the homework, that's not homework like school homework, that's like the work at home, okay? It depends largely under God upon the reflex influence of evangelical work done in countries afar off. That's evangelical, not in the terms of denomination, but it means evangelistic work. Meaning, the more you impact the, the world out there, God blesses your homework. Does that make sense? You get the, we get this uh, complaint a lot, like, man, the Adventist Church, we're giving so, money, so much money to all these different organizations, and we need to retain some of that money here. God has to bless the work here. But here's the promise. The more that we focus on the world, God will take care of things at home. And this is what it means to be a Seventh-day Adventist. Israel, what, what, what's, your, what member, or what, what's the church that you're a member of? I'm a member of the University Church in East Lansing. He, his membership is in the East Lansing University Church, but he is not a member of the East Lansing Adventist Church. You all catch? He's a member of the worldwide Seventh-day Adventist Church, of which his local participation is at the East Lansing Adventist Church. Does it make sense? In the ecclesiology of all other denominations, when you're part of the East Lansing Methodist Church, you're part of the East Lansing Methodist Church, and you, all your work and your finances is, contribute, is, is, is invested in East Lansing only. You're not a member of the worldwide church. Does that make sense? So when we participate in the worldwide church, of you are a global member. That's something to be very excited about. That's not an orga- organizational structure. We get that from Revelation 14. Yeah, it's taking Revelation 14 and actualizing it in a church structure. Does that make you, that gets me very excited. Yeah. Now let me show you one more quote here. Uh, oh, that's the, that's the, that. um, I want to ask you this. Osiku. Okay, just to um, suggest that perhaps some of the challenges that we face in the church with segregation in terms of, you know, um, ethnic segregation, racial segregation, etc., yes. might be because we're, we're not taking heed to this aspect of what Sabbath school could bring to the table. When, you're, when you realize that when I'm giving sacrificial, sacrificially to aid the work in a different part of the world, to help people who look completely different from me, etc., it changes your view of, like, we are one people, Right? And it's not, even if my church, even if my local church may ethnically be, I grew up in Zimbabwe and like we're all, you know, Zimbabwean, you know, well, different tribal groups, but you know, we're like all brown. Wait, you're brown. What am I called? Yeah, okay. (laughs) We're all chocolate, right? We're all chocolate people. And when, when we would collect mission offering, I know people think of Africa as like the mission field, but for me growing up, when we'd collect mission offering, I would think of the Justins looking type people. I'm like, we need to help those Asians find Jesus, you know. And and for me, it's like, you know, we're one people. Like, so when I met Justin, I'm not like, oh, those Asians. It's like, we have been praying for you, brother. You know, hallelujah, you're now a Christian. You Thank know? you. <laughs> yeah. so, so I think um, the being involved in missions, in global missions, actually uh, brings us together in a, in a very, like, practical way. Like, and unites us so that we realize we're, we're, we all need the same thing at the end of the day. We all need Jesus. You know? And instead of segregating and dividing ourselves by the color of our skin and our racial background, etc., like if we could just focus on like, giving Jesus to people you know, and showing people Jesus, I think that could bring us together and we're missing that. 
Amen. Yeah. Amen. I, John. I really believe that the mission component especially gives incredible purpose to the Sabbath school. Because if you think about what the, the potential that we have here, even you in your local Sabbath school, if you guys really connect and say, hey, we want to adopt the neighborhood or we want to you know, adopt a sister church or a mission field. I mean, I know of churches in, in Texas, they have adopted cities in the Middle East where there are no Adventists. Mm -hmm. And they, say, they go over there and they do mission trips and do, they do work there. It's powerful. Like, think of your Sabbath school that might be dead right now and the potential that there is of what you guys could do. Think big. You don't have to think, okay, well, it has to be a mission trip organized by this and this organization for it to be a mission trip. Uh, or, or mission work can only be done by so-and-so. Your South School has incredible power uh, lingering. And, and you know, I, I, I don't believe we're really tapping into the power of local South School classes. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with everything that you guys have said. I also want to put, place before us the fact that doing a local work will have global effects as well. And sometimes it can be overwhelming if you're in a small church, two people, one of them comes to your Sabbath school. Man, how in the world are we going to organize trips to Iceland and so forth and so on or to Asia to win uh, Justin's people, right? Please come. Uh, how are we going to do that? And, uh, you know, I, I want to share with everyone a story of what happened to me. I was in a, I was, I grew up a Seventh-day Adventist all my life. And there was a, a young person at that time, young adult, who really had a passion to help the young people of the church. So he was my Sabbath school teacher during my junior's class. And um, I, don't, I don't even remember what in the world he would tell us. All I know is that one time he took us to uh, Disneyland, which I'm not promoting that, but that's what he did. And, um, and he gave me a Bible. He gave me a Bible. It was a bilingual that. Bible. And, um, and that is something that I've remembered throughout my, my entire life, that this man cared about us enough to take us to Disneyland and to give me a Bible. And uh, that Bible became something that eventually transformed my life. I used that Bible. Someone else came along and told me, my dad told me, if you read a proverb every day, you know, for every day in the month, you can read the book of Proverbs, you know, and there's chapter 31 day. chapters, yeah, uh, chapter day. And, uh, and, and so that built on what my Sabbath school teacher did. And little by little, the Lord began to grab a hold of my heart through the book of Proverbs. I, I read the book of Proverbs because I thought that was going to make me smart. You know, I'm like, I want to be smart reading, like brother. Solomon. I, I still have, I'm still trying to read every day, right? Uh, and and, and uh, what, what has happened is that that Sabbath school teacher has changed my life. And I'm not living in California anymore. Now I'm living in Michigan. And so that local work had a, a larger work than just in a small environment. So if you're a Sabbath school teacher, you're in a small church, you're thinking to yourself, I'm not worried about another part of the world. I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to survive what I'm doing now? Don't underestimate the power of the young person that you're teaching. Amen. Uh, don't underestimate the power of, of caring enough to invest in that young person's life or in that old person's life. The impact, God is going to bless. And, and by God's grace, as you make the word of God the foundation of the life of the people that you come in contact with during that Sabbath school time, God will bless, those God will bless and reward that beyond your estimate and beyond your ability to measure. We have talked about the ideals of Sabbath school, so I, I appreciate Israel's comment. We don't want anyone to be discouraged. Yes, uh, all Sabbath schools have need of work, but I guess the appeal is this. 
How many of you want to go back to your local Sabbath school and you want to implement in some capacity missions, fellowship, and real Bible study and prayer in some capacity? And you say, Lord, this is going to be hard, but use me in some capacity. How many of you want to be that person? Okay, God bless you. We're going to have a word of prayer. We want you guys to stick around. In the next session, we're going to look at why is Sabbath school dying, especially for that, our generation, and in the session after that, what can we do to rev it up in a different way? Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask for all the Sabbath school and the churches that are represented from this room be blessed in a very special way. Father, may a Sabbath school revival happen where we see missions and Bible study and prayer and fellowship happen on a different level. And Lord, as we listened to the sermon last night, Lord, may we not just wait for someone to do it. Lord, we ask that you use us. Lord, our theme this week is by many or by few. And Lord, we ask, we will cause within us to be instruments of heaven to cause a revival for our Sabbath schools. We especially ask for these three things to be revived in our local Sabbath schools and may impact uh, the whole world as a result, as well as impacting our own hearts. Bless each of our brothers and sisters and our panels in, the, in that capacity. In Jesus' name we pray. Let everyone say, Amen. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take a sacrificial initiative for Christ. To download other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.